You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. Well, good morning, North Valley. My name's Ryan. I serve as the lead pastor here at the church. We're excited that you guys are joining with us this morning. Uh, This morning, we're going to be continuing on in our teaching series called This is the Life. Let's say that together. This is the Life. And this is walking through a study of the book of 1 John. John is the nearest and the dearest disciple of Jesus. He's the earliest adopter. He's the youngest to kind of join the disciples. He witnessed and saw the words and the works of Jesus Christ. He saw the declaration of the kingdom of God. He saw the proclamation of the kingdom of God. He knows Jesus really well. And he's going to talk to us and teach us this morning in God's word that there are some serious dangers in the darkness. And he describes Jesus as the light. Jesus is one who said, I am the light of the world. And so this morning, what we're going to see is that this light shining that Jesus uh, taught John uh, is how we are going to explore living the life that God intends for us. Uh, I want to talk to you about dangers in the darkness. I want to tell you a story. Years ago, I was in college and uh, back in Arkansas, University of Arkansas at Little Rock. And every year, my dad and my brothers had the annual tradition where we would go on a deer hunt. And so uh, Arkansas is funny because like when, when deer season starts, like it's like a national holiday for the state of Arkansas. They like release all the schools early and everything else. It's funny. You'll see, I mean, cause you know, it's home of Walmart. So it just lets you know, like the whole, the whole state is wrapped around, uh, just kind of hunting and football. It's a big deal. Um, my family's kind of like, I've said it before, it's kind of like the Duck Dynasty family in a little bit. I, I was a little bit of the oddball out. I grew up uh, in Little Rock, and my dad and my, my uh, brothers were all hunters and fishermen. And I enjoyed the outdoors, but I also liked the city. I was good at skateboarding and a bunch of other things. But I always grew up around the outdoors. And so one year, we go on our annual deer hunt, and I'm invited, and, and I have not bagged a buck yet. And so all my brothers, they're skilled hunters. They like, they like don't eat, they don't need a gun. They got like a bows, you know, like they're, they're super, super hunters. And so I'm out there and my dad puts me up on the ridge and that's a good spot to go. And my brother and my two brothers, uh, Rob, my oldest brother and my younger brother, Dave, and my dad all go down into this big area where the fields are and there's a beautiful river running through. Uh, and they're down there. They've already bagged their bucks for the weekend. And I'm the only one, of course, that hasn't. I've been trailing a deer all, uh, all, all weekend long. And it began to get dark really quick, and I wasn't quite prepared. I wasn't like the best Boy Scout, you know? Like, I, I, I dropped out in Weeblos, okay? Uh, I, 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 I always be prepared is like the motto of the Boy Scouts. Like, I forgot that part. So I get into the mountains up there, and I'm by myself, and... You know, um, I had actually been studying the text that we're going to be looking at here this morning in First John and about thinking about light and darkness. And, you know, I was really just kind of taking it in and started doing a little bit of study on darkness and the dangers in darkness, spiritually, metaphorically, physically, all that stuff. And so what happens is I get up there and I'm at the top of this mountain and finally I see my buck. He steps out. I take a clean shot. I bagged him. I got him. I'm happy. And the sun sets really quickly gets really cold. So I pick up my radio, call my dad and my brothers. Hey, this is Ryan. I got one. Nobody answers. 
And I'm like, eh, you know, maybe they just didn't hear me. And we say, like, hey, this is Ryan on the hilltop. Anybody got a copy down there? I got a buck. No response. So I'm sitting there. Okay, yeah. Uh, now, how do I actually do this? I got a deer down. It's getting dark. Where's my flashlight? Get into my bag. No flashlight. Okay. Now it's getting cold. I'm not even dressed completely right. Oh, I'm getting cold. Didn't have any response. My dad, my brothers were the ones that were going to help me. And I was in, a, actually at the time, I was leading an outreach in uh, inner city downtown Little Rock. And I had fractured my ankle. And so I had a hurt ankle. And now it's getting dark. I'm not dressed right. Don't have a flashlight. And I got a deer on the ground. So all of a sudden, fear set in. Like, I don't know if you've ever felt like when, when things start kind of adding up, like it's an exponential, things are going wrong. You know, like my, we say at my house when everything, look, I got three kids, when things start going crazy, when things go wrong, kids, stay calm. That's what we say. Well, I'm in the woods and I'm trying to keep myself calm and everything starts going wrong. And I think to myself, what if like a wolf or a bear comes out because they, it's like a dinner bell, you know, boom, there's a deer. In Alaska, that's what happens when you shoot a big game. Like the bears just come, that's the dinner bell. So I'm thinking, well, what if that happened here? So sure enough, it gets dark, sun sets, and I hear, and I'm like, oh my goodness. And it gets louder and louder and louder, and more and more coyotes begin to encircle me in the area that I was hunting. And I start to panic, and I don't know what to do. I call on the radio, Dad, Rob, Dave, come on, somebody help, come up here and help me. I'm being encircled by coyotes. I'm danger in the darkness, right? So it keeps going on. It keeps coyotes getting louder and louder. And so I run over, grab the deer, I start dragging it, and I think to myself, oh my goodness, I'm creating this massive blood trail. So now I'm dragging this carcass through, trying to find the trail where I came out of, slip, fall, trip, bust my ankle even further. Now I'm hobbling, fractured foot, now probably broken. So I'm dragging this deer. I panic, don't know what to do, get back on the radio. Hey, guys, is anybody coming for me? I'm freezing. I got a deer. I got a blood trail. The coyotes are chasing me. And so I get my, my rifle, and I just said, I'm going to empty it in the air. Then I'm thinking, great, the bullets are coming down on me. What goes bad gets worse. And so uh, my dad, my brothers finally come up about an hour and a half later, two hours after dark, and they see the deer and they say, good job, son. And I'm like, you have no idea what I've been through. And uh, sure enough, they help me. My dad brings a flashlight out, grabs, helps me with the deer. We load it up on the horses. We get down to camp and we're safe. I was a grown man, and I was terrified of the dark. I was terrified of the dark because I couldn't control the things that were coming at me or what was going on. The darkness changed everything, and I needed light. This morning, as we look at God's Word, the Bible says that God is light. That's what John says. He remembered. He had been there with Jesus. He remembered when Jesus says, I am the light of the world. This is what he says. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. He says, this is the message we've heard. Again, this is John, the nearest and the dearest disciple to Jesus. He was the earliest adopter and lived the longest as a disciple. He was an eyewitness right there with Jesus. He says, this is the message we've heard from him. And we proclaim it to you. God is light. Let's say that together. God is light. And then furthermore, he says, and in him there is no darkness at all. God is not capricious and he's not, he doesn't have a, a duplicity to him. You know, in Eastern religions, it's like God is good and evil. 
And even in the yin-yang sign, there's a symbol of light and darkness. Well, the Christianity stands unique and says, God is light. Two things light does. It light reveals and light heals. Light reveals the things that are in the darkness. And Jesus says, I am the light. Jesus is a revealer. When you spend time with Jesus Christ, he could unfold everything about your life. And that's what he did. Even when the presence of John, he would be with people and he would know ahead of time. He was omniscient, all knowing, omnipotent, all powerful. And John describes Jesus, his character and nature. God is light. Light reveals. Secondly, light heals. Jesus is a healer. Light heals. You know, we have people that come from Portland or from the Midwest. They are escaping the darkness of those cities, that there's not enough light. It's a seasonal affect disorder, that you need more light. Uh, Just the other day, I was at a flag football game. This dad, I guess he came from Portland or something. I don't know where he came from. He, he, he's at the football game. He just takes off his shirt. This is flag football. This is not a tailgate party at Cardinal Stadium. Takes off his shirt, and he's laying out like this on the sidelines. I'm like, woo. All right, I guess he needs some light. Light reveals, and light did reveal on that day, my, my goodness. Uh, light heals. Jesus is a revealer. Jesus is a healer. And John says that. Um, understanding light. Um, understanding light and darkness. Intellectually, light, biblically speaking, is truth. When somebody says to you, good grief, uh, you seem like you're in the dark on this situation. Uh, let, let's shed a little light on the subject. Intellectually speaking, light is like truth. And Jesus is truth. So Jesus is truth. Light, intellectually helps us understand truth. Darkness is ignorance. When somebody says, man, you're, you're in the dark on this issue. Intellectually speaking, that's ignorance or not a lack of understanding. Morally speaking, when we talk about light, it resembles purity. Just last, uh, yesterday I was uh, officiated a wedding and the, uh, the bride came out and she was wearing her wedding dress and guess what color it was? It was white. It represents this purity upon her life, and its light in Scripture uh, resembles purity. And Jesus wants you to walk in truth. Jesus wants you to walk in purity, not in darkness or impurity. Spiritually speaking, light is obedience. It's walking in obedience. Uh, John says, I want you to walk in the truth and not in darkness, not disobedience. So here's what I want to do. Would you stand for the reading of God's word? I'm going to read through the passage. What we're going to see is how uh, the passage that we're going to unfold this morning is look at how he talks about these dangers and the darkness and the great importance of walking in the light. It says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 through 10, this is the message we've heard from him and we proclaim to you, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and the word is not in us. This is the word of the Lord. Amen? You may be seated. Heavenly Father, help us to understand the clarity of Scripture that walking in light is good, and that you are light. You are a revealer, and you are a healer. 
Help us to walk in truth. Help us to live upright, pure lives and obedient lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. God's light always reveals. It always reveals. What you're going to see is uh, this morning is that as God's light reveals, is what, what we need to see is that there's traps that are set in the life of every single believer. What I've said uh, earlier is that in the shadows of every single Christian's life, there are some traps. And the Bible uses this language of traps often to help us understand that there are people that'll set traps into your life that God um, is, 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 is calling you to walk away from. If you've walked out, if you've left a life of darkness, sin and darkness, it's called deeds of darkness, sins that are impure, the lifestyle that's impure, a light that's shadowed by ignorance or a life that's uh, characterized by disobedience. There's people that will pull you back into those dark areas. When I first became a Christian, it was a challenge for me to live a life, leave a lifestyle of sin, darkness, and what I would call shady territory of my life. And as every single believer, we face these shadows and these challenges. It can be with other people or it can be our own spiritual um, lack of commitment to Christ and are we deceive ourselves. What we're going to see is that there's traps. The psalmist says it like this. He says, keep me from the trap. This is a prayer. Keep me from the trap that they have laid for me and from the snares of the evildoers. In the Bible, what we're going to see is that there's traps all throughout scripture. Traps are designed to catch you or to keep you in darkness. Traps are designed, and they're mentioned throughout Scripture, to lead you astray, to set you up for failure, that you'll fall into these traps. And this morning, we're going to see in John, John as a father's heart, who's the nearest and the dearest disciple, says, God is light, and you need to walk in the light, and don't fall into these traps. And in every believer's life, I think there's three traps that are in their life. Traps that can lead you to drunkenness, adultery, fornication, lying, idolatry, a lack of forgiveness or a lack of grace, a lack of recognizing your sin. People in the Bible that fell into traps, Judas fell into a trap. The Pharisees laid traps for Jesus. King Saul set traps for King David. The adulterer lays traps, what we see in the Proverbs. Traps are all throughout Scripture. And this morning, what we're going to look at is we're going to look at some traps that First John uh, helps us to understand that every believer can go through. And so to start out with, to help illustrate this, what I want to do is I want to illustrate this very clearly. Jesus was a great teacher and a communicator, and he often used the physical to connect to the spiritual. So he, he talks about the light, just as, and he is even described as being the sun, the very radiance and the glory. The Bible even says that one day when we get to heaven, there will be no more need for the sun because Jesus Christ is the radiance and the power of light that permeates the entire new earth. So this morning, in order to help us capture this illustration of light, darkness, and traps, I want to walk through a live illustration. So we're going to do something totally different here this morning. Very memorable service. Um, I need First, I need a volunteer a volunteer that will be brave and will listen really well because it's going to get dark in here and we're going to see some traps. So if you would, raise your hand. I need a brave volunteer, live volunteer uh, that listens well and is really brave. Raise your hand and then you'll come down with me. Let's pick a volunteer. All right. You guys give a round of applause for Ford. 
Okay, Ford, you stay right there. I don't want you to get tangled up. We've actually got, uh, it's going to get dark in here. So ladies and gentlemen, it's going to get really dark. Just stay calm. All right, Ford, is this you? I can't see you. It's you, all right. So um, it's getting dark, Ford, and then tell me. It's getting really dark. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Good. Now, I, you got in your hand, what do you got in your hand? A cane. You got a cane. It's like a seeing eye stick. And so what we're going to do is, Ford, I got a, a light. And this light, there's probably, do you think you could walk through that way very well? If I told you I have traps set out all along the floor right here, you think you could walk out there and be safe? If you go first. If I go first. I'm not going first. No, but what I will do is I'll, uh, if I turn on this light, do you think that we could navigate through here, even though I'm telling you we got traps set out all through here? Yes, I do. All right, let's do this. I'm going to turn on this light. And Ford, you follow me. First thing we got, what do we got here? Mousetrap. I want you to set it off. Boom, you did it. You guys give him a round of applause. Okay, this is a little bigger trap. What do we got here, Ford? Looks like a rat trap. All right, I want you to set this off. Make sure you don't get stuck in it. That was a little bigger. Give him another round of applause. Okay, this is a special handy-dandy family trap we have back in Arkansas. This is called coyote trap. So um, you don't want to set your foot in there. If you set your foot in there, probably tear your toes up pretty bad. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay, you're not going to hear this as loud because it's just got a big metal trap, and then I'm going to show these guys later. Why don't you set this off? Don't step on it. Good. All right, now it's stuck on the cane. That's not good. Okay, come on over here. Last one. This is a big rat trap as well. Why don't you set that off? All right. Ladies and gentlemen, give Ford a big round of applause. All right. Turn on the lights. And you successfully made it through the gauntlet Ford. So let's turn on the lights and give him one more round of applause. All right. We'll walk over here. Great job. Hey, guys, the reality is, the reason why I did that is that uh, it's really important that you see the importance of traps in your life. I'm going to hand this mic to Randy and get back to it. Every single believer will go through life and they'll navigate through challenges in their life and the, the enemy sets traps out for you. So what we're going to do is we'll have the lights come on in just a moment. I did that uh, in order to create an illustration that you wouldn't forget, that in every single believer's life, there is these shadows, these shady areas of your life spiritually, and that God wants to bring those to light. And in fact, if you don't shine the light of, of God's word upon those areas of darkness, you will set your foot into that trap and it can destroy your spiritual life. It can destroy your relational life in every single way. And so what God's word promises is that he is God's the light and he's going to navigate us through two things that light does. It, it reveals and it heals. And so when you step into these traps and you know that these deeds of darkness and uh, shame and hurt that have happened in your life, God says, I don't want to leave you like that. I want to heal you from that. But this morning, I'm going to show you in God's word out of 1 John that there's three traps. There's three unique phrases that John, the author of this text, writes to the church to understand. He says this phrase, If we say this, 
three different times. And I would argue these are three traps that lay in the shadows of every single Christian's life. The first trap is the trap of double standards. The trap of double standards is like, uh, it says this in 1 John, it says, if we say we have fellowship with him, yet while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. In other words, if we say we have fellowship with God and we have fellowship with other people, but yet we're turning around and we're continually walking in darkness, we're not taking this light, like I showed you earlier, and shining it upon the dark areas of your life, which would be God's word, and living according to that. Jesus said, he goes, I came to liberate captives, to deliver people from bondage, and he is the light of the world, that he is to help you, guide you through, and the light of Christ is the most powerful light, and that we're to live in fellowship with him. The trap of double standards is like this, is like you, you talk about the importance of the Christian faith of being a forgiving person or a loving person. But then when it comes to your own life, when you are put to the test and you're put to the challenge where you're to be forgiving, you're bitter and resentful. Or when you're the one that's needing to give grace, you withhold grace. But yet you access this reservoir of grace from God, you access this reservoir of forgiveness and love from God, and you come to church, but when you live your life, you're turning around and you're bitter, you're cold, you're rude, you're disrespectful, and then it's this disconnect. In the home, at my very home, there's been times when I've been talking to my kids, and my, my kids will, will say stuff like, well, Dad, doesn't the Bible talk about grace and forgiveness? I'm like, ouch. It does. And, you know, as believers, what we need to understand is that we have, can't live this life of double standards. This can also happen just in, in the area of living in deeds of darkness, which, which the Bible refers to as drunkenness or addictions or other, other things like that. When I first became a Christian, I went back to the house that I was living in, and I had these guys that were professing Christians and I didn't know any better at the time. And I became a Christian. And I had this radical transformation, this big change, life change. And things like repentance or sin and confession, that was normal to me. Because I saw I was leaving a life of darkness and coming to a light and living for Christ. And I walked into the house and I just kept remembering, I kept seeing my friends, these so-called Christian friends would go to the back rooms and they were drinking. They were, some of them were doing drugs. They were sleeping with girls. And I felt like there's a disconnect because we say we're Christians, but this is happening in our household. So I started to call it out. I was like the mean prophet in our household. And I said to my friends, I said, guys, like, you guys want to have a Bible study? You want to have a prayer meeting? And they're like, right, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, you all hyped up on Jesus. You're going crazy, man. I'm like, no, I, I just want to live according to God's word. And I, I think we're, it feels like this is like double standards. When John calls us to live a life in fellowship with him, he says, if we say, let's say that together, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Living a life of double standards happens time and time again. And often if you find yourself in this shady territory where you're asking for other people to forgive or you're asking other people to be gracious, but you yourself aren't gracious or you're not forgiving. Or if you're living one way, but you're kind of putting up this spiritual front on the outside, on the inside, you know, 
It's, it's a hoax. It's, a, it's, it's not real. The Bible warns us about this trap of double standards. He says that we lie. We're lying. We're lying to ourselves. We're lying to God. We're lying to others. And it's real easy when you're in the trap of double standards just to make up a bunch of lies. And how much peace and joy does it rob you of your life to constantly be living in a lie? That's a lot of lies to keep up with. The easiest thing to do is to tell the truth. And the Bible says is that when we live in the light, we're living in the truth. When we live in the light, that we're not living in ignorance or lies, but we're living in the truth. And God's word calls us not to live a, a life of double standards, but to live a life of total devotion and focus, trusting in Christ uh, to live for him. He says, if we walk in the darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. I think it means this is that it doesn't mean that these are people that are never been genuine believers, but these are people that are struggle and they're not practicing the truth. Did you know that practice, it doesn't create perfection, but it actually helps you to get progress tremendously. And when you practice the truth, you learn over time and on time again that you continue to walk in the light and there's this joy of walking in the light according to God's ways, God's word with your marriage, your business, everything that you do in life, and you're not falling into this trap of double standards, but you're practicing the truth. When you hear God's word preached on a Sunday, you begin to practice that. And the Bible says here is what we see is that if we're walking in darkness, we're actually lying to ourselves and we're not practicing the truth. Let me ask you a question. Are you practicing the truth? If you're not practicing the truth, putting the things that you hear on Sunday into your daily lives, then you're probably living adult. You've fallen into the trap of double standards. And every single believer, I believe, there's these traps upon in the shadows of every Christian's life. And you can do this on a weekly basis as you find yourself, oh my goodness, I've fallen into the trap of double standards. The second trap we're going to see this morning is the trap of self-deception. This is a very dangerous trap. It's bigger than the first. And John helps us to understand that. He says, again, this is the second time he uses this phrase. He says, if we say, let's say that together. If we say. You know, the cool thing about John is he's not, he, he, he's letting you know that, hey, I've got some really hard truth to share with you. But I want you to know, I'm not going to just point the finger and say, if you said this, then that. He says, if we say. So he's coming from the father's heart and the father's perspective, and he's also putting himself in the same camp and saying, hey, if we act like this, here's the result. This is what he says. If we say we have no sin, and I mean, that's a big statement to say, we, we have no sin. He, look what he says. We deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. There's no truth in being a liar. There's no truth in deceiving yourself into believing that you're really not sinning against God. You can downplay your sin so easily and deceive yourself. You say things like this, and I say things like this. It's not that bad. I mean, come on. There's so many other people out there that do so much worse. Deceiving yourself is the art of deception is the agenda of the devil himself upon your life. He wants self-deceived believers. People that underestimate the power of sin and the penalty of sin and the sting of sin. And he wants you to walk through life and snag up in every single trap and deceive yourself to thinking that God's bad and God's the one who set these traps. 
Excuse me, that's not what happened. The enemy sets traps against you. And what Christ says, he says, I am the light. And the only way to get through this life is by trusting in me. And I'll walk you through each, each shady area of your life. But you've got to stay in the light. You've got to stay close to Jesus Christ. You need to be practicing the truth or you'll be wrapped up and labeled a hypocrite, living in double standard duplicity, having a double life. I want to encourage you to avoid and identify the traps. The trap of double standards, the trap of self-deception. You know, uh, I think of all the, the businessmen and, uh, that travel so much and the, the opportune time that the devil has to play with their heart and their minds as they're of, of far away with alcohol, pornography, whatever may be the case. And you know sin, sin is always over-promises and under-delivers. And when you're done with sin, it hurts and it stings and it hurts. Traps are like that. They will, they will hurt you. They will maim you. Um, next time I do a trap illustration, I'm hoping to do it once a year, I'm going to get a bear trap. I got a 40-pound bear trap in the mail. It's coming. We'll use it next time, and next time we do it, we'll have it elevated so you can see. But I'm telling you, the devil is absolutely set upon your life to deceive you, to avoid the light of God, the light of his word, and to walk into a double life of double standards, fall into that trap, walk into a life and live in a self-deceived that you are somehow without error. You know, I work with a lot of different volunteers and a lot of different people, and one of the most harmful and hurtful things that I see that creates dysfunction in any organization, any family, any church, any business, is the self-deception trap. Somehow people forget that they have weaknesses. Somehow people forget that they have flaws, right? Every single person is not perfect. Nobody's perfect but Jesus. And what often needs to happen in the culture of every business, every church, every family is this idea that when there's a mistake done, the mistake is communicated. Hey, that was my wrong. Hey, my mistake. I shouldn't have done that. You know, just the other day, uh, Sam, my son, did something and it offended Maya. And I said, you need to apologize to Maya. And so he, he says, I'm sorry, Maya. Please, I'm sorry. And she says, this is very normal in reconciliation. It's dysfunctional reconciliation. He says, I'm sorry, I hurt you, I did this. And she says, it's okay. How many times do you hear that? Hey, I'm sorry I hurt you in doing that. No, it's okay. Let me tell you something. It's not okay. It's never okay to hurt, offend, break, trust, mislead, sinfully offend another person. It's never okay. Here's the right response. Hey, Maya, I'm really, really sorry. I did this. I hurt you. She says, I forgive you. That's what's needed. What can happen is we can perpetuate self-deception that we can downplay sins and act like you're just kind of perfect. That, that, you know, oh, and we do it in the millennial generation is that we all, oh, we don't want to talk about the weaknesses. We don't want to talk about the struggles. Let's focus on the strengths. I believe it's important to focus on strengths, but let me tell you something. If all you do is focus on your strengths and never identify your weaknesses, your sin, your shortcomings, then you don't need a savior. You don't need Christ. You are your own savior. 
And you can self-deceive yourself in your marriage, in your business, in your church life, in every arena of your life. And what, what John says is, look, he's like fatherly heart. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And he goes further. You're not just not practicing the truth. Hello, the truth's not even in you. Like the truth, you had some initial deposit, but we can't see anything. The beauty of the gospel is that Jesus says, I'm going to shine the light of Christ. I want to help you to walk through life, live the life, and I'll help you through. There's one more trap that's the worst of all. It's the trap of perfection. He says, if we say we have not sinned, meaning now, now it's not, I don't have any sin. No, I've never sinned. Or I, 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 sin is not in your vocabulary. Here's what he says. We make him, that's Christ, he's a liar. Why, 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 why should Christ die on the cross? Why, why should he give forgiveness? You don't need forgiveness. Christ said that he came to forgive sins. But, but what you're saying, if you have no sin... You don't even need Christ. Christ, you came in vain. We make him a liar, and his word is not in us. You know, I think the reality is, is when you get into an argument and say, this happened in my household the other day, and I've fallen into the trap of perfection before, not, not intentionally, but perfection in the sense of not seeing my own sin. Walk into it the other day, get into an argument, just, oh, let's just call it, for, 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 for ease's sake, a heated discussion. Get into a heated discussion with my beautiful wife and uh, about something. I don't even remember what it was. And she, uh, she says, okay, you know, I've apologized and I asked you to forgive me because I had wrong in the matter and I, I get it. So now it's your turn. And I go, okay, yeah. What, what do I need to apologize for? And she says, seriously? I was like, oh, Okay, 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 okay. Help me to understand what I did wrong. Here's what I didn't do. When, not, when there's an offense, when there's a problem, the best thing you can do in, in, in any kind of relationship is go get time with the Lord and say, God, reveal to me. Reveal to me where I went wrong. See, I skipped that part. That's why so many people walk in darkness. That's why we don't deal with our sin is because we just try to walk through the motions with people, but we forget the God factor who says, I'll reveal the sin in your life. I've got the Holy Spirit to help convict you of your sin. I'll reveal that to you. And so fast forward another time in a relationship in my uh, heated discussions with my wife, I offend her. She offends me. We come back together and I say to her, Hey, you know, I'm sorry I did A, B, and C. Would you please forgive me? I know that hurt you. Yeah, I forgive you for that. Now, now there's confession of sin. There's confession of wrongdoing. I'm not acting like I'm perfect. And there's a healing that takes place in that. But what we do before God, and we do it in our own relationships, is that we can downplay and we can even go further, not just simply downplay, but deny that we have not sinned. There's even Christian thoughts and perspectives called sinless perfectionism. And it's the idea that you can be perfect. I heard a story about a gal over in Europe who was in a Bible study, and she said she's arrived to the spiritual place that she doesn't sin anymore. And in fact, there are uh, theological camps and, and Christian groups that preach that. I, I would tell you, that's a terrible trap. 
it dismisses the beauty and the joy of forgiveness, redemption, atonement, all of the work of Christ. And John here says, if we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Here's what I want you to see is that God's light can heal you. Some of you have walked in darkness. You have shady territory upon your life. You have all, all sorts of areas. If the Holy Spirit right now is convicting your heart of something, I want to encourage you. I'm not going to ask you to confess it to me. I'm not going to ask you even to confess it to your spouse. I want you to start with God. I want you to start with God. Look what he promises in his word. He says, but if we walk in the light as, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, Meaning that you begin to start saying, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, through all this darkness that I'm in, all these shady territories in my life, and these traps that I admit I've fallen into, this trap of double standards, or this trap of self-deception, or this trap of acting like I'm perfect. Look what he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Meaning, you've got this if you walk and you live according to the way God's called you to live in obedience with him, in the truth, in purity, then he's saying that there's this joy, there's this beautiful partnership that you're going to experience with other people and with God himself. It's called fellowship. He says, with one another. And verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from what? all unrighteousness. What does light do? Light reveals and light heals. I want to encourage you to look to God's word. Healing is found when we live by God's word. Healing is found when you live by God's word. It is the very medicine for your soul that you need to sustain the life that Jesus Christ intended for you. It is not simply the guide. It is the antidote to your problem. And what Jesus Christ wants to do is he wants to heal those broken places, those dark places, those areas of shady territory. And I think the best thing that you could do is the second thing here is you confess your sins to God. You confess to him first. When you get into an argument with your spouse or when you get into an argument with your friend or when you offend another person or you disappoint yourself or you're walking in shame or disobedience. I want to tell you the very first thing you ought to do is you turn to this person named Jesus Christ and you say to him, Lord, I confess I'm walking in shady territory. I'm living in this dark area right here and I've set my foot in this trap of double standards. I demand grace. I demand love, but I don't give love. I don't give forgiveness. Will you change me? Will you change who I am? Because that's his promise. He says, if you confess your sins, what does he promise to do? If we confess our sins, he's faithful. He's absolutely faithful and just to forgive. And then you say to me, well, I don't see God showing up in my life. I don't see change in my marriage. I don't see change in my kid's life or my daughter's life. And I would say, are you walking through your part? Are you doing the due diligence to say, I'll confess to you, Lord, there's darkness here and I don't want to live in it anymore. And I'll confess to you right now, I've, I've gone far too long without shining light on this subject. And so what God promises is he says, hey, listen, I promise if you trust me, I'll reveal the areas of weakness in your life. Here's my encouragement. You follow in these footsteps I think this is, the, this is the one thing I say this helps our family more than anything. It's confession. When I do wrong, when Leslie does wrong, when my kids do wrong, I just have them say, 
Hey, I'm sorry. My mistake. I did that wrong. Will you forgive me? It's given into the other person's court. They get to choose whether to do that or not. If they choose not to, the Bible says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all people. Do what you can. Keep short accounts. Confess to the Lord first. Second, the next thing is, is that you receive God's forgiveness. Don't go through life without finding his forgiveness. This morning, we're going to do communion. I want to invite the ushers, uh, the band up. And uh, here's what I want you to do is receive God's forgiveness and his love. Um, take home truth today is that life in the shadows and the darkness is way too dangerous. Don't do life alone. Spend time with the Lord. Life in the shadows and the darkness are way too dangerous. I want you to do this this week. Identify the trap that I have illustrated and laid out for you, the trap of duplicity or double standards, the trap of self-deception and the trap of perfection. Confess that to the Lord and walk in the light. Amen? All right. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.